We are back after a long weekend of sports. Paul Ihander here, Instagram Hill on the ones and twos. And I woke up salty. 3 a.m. I was up at 3 a.m. Just steaming. I was shocked that I fell asleep last night. 10 o'clock, put my kids to bed. And about last night. I'm going to do a dad joke here. Y'all can listen. Y'all can tune out immediately after this. I don't care because you're going to come back a minute from now anyway after I say it. But what do Spencer Martin and Drywall have in common? Both got screwed. Spencer Martin got hosed by his own team last night. I was so frustrated after watching the Canes work their way through that one. Rod was too. He said it in the post game. I said it before he said it in the post game. They let Spencer Martin down last night. That team screwed him. Go ahead. Let it let it play. They're pretty awful, to be quite honest. And that, that I kind of knew this was going to happen with just the mentally. We were mentally not there. And that's what happens. We have a tough schedule and the three and four nights with the travel. And just the I could just feel it on the bench, everything. We were just not sharp. And thankfully, the one guy that had been rested, <laughs> Martin, was the difference tonight. And he got us a point because we, we were not we were not there tonight. Team let him down. Team absolutely let him. It was, a, it was not a – it was a terrible weekend for – the Carolina Hurricanes. The close one against Dallas, the 2-1 there where the Stars were coming into that one and had so few shots. I mean, testament to the defense at home, but Robertson lighting the lamp of the Stars didn't, you know, you lose two points there to the team that knows it can beat you now. Like, that's an elite team. It's a team that knows if we're going to match back up in the Stanley Cup Finals, Dallas v. Carolina, we got your number. And you've got to prove to us that you can beat us because that's twice in less than two weeks for them. And last night in Buffalo, and Rod said travel, and and Rod said the quirky schedule and and whatever it happens to be, two to two. Like Sebastian Ajo, during that second goal, where he was kind of skating out in front of Martin, and really he knew he had nowhere to go. Like, hey, he froze. That was a deer in the headlights. Go back, rewind that, hit pause. Like, he's like, oh, bleep. I am hosed here. I got nowhere to go. I'm going to cover up like one of those uh, soccer players on a penalty kick from the top of the box where you just kind of put your hands over your boys and you just pray for the best. And it ended up being 2-2. And Buffalo, for for all the, you know, Buffalo's injuries and there's always something, right? There's always something when it comes to Buffalo Sabres, whether it's Jack Eichel or ownership or the team's young, or they can't buy a break, and they're all going to finally come together. That team has never come together. They think that they figure it out, and then they don't figure it out. And then the Canes go rolling in. They're going, ah, we got this. No, we don't got this. We got a point. We'll take one, and thanks to the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, last night, taking care of the Rangers' 10-game win streak, at least you didn't lose any ground to the Rangers. We go into that PK... Or PK, we go in the we go into we go to penalty shots essentially mano a mano, and we can't hit the we couldn't hit water if we fell out of a boat. There you go. There's another old dad joke. Like we, it was it was just this, and Martin's just like I don't know what you want me to do. I mean I can't keep I can't stop everything coming at me, and he tried to his credit. And the crazy thing is this guy could be the odd man out. Once all the goalies are healthy, this could be the guy, and he has done nothing but helped this team, and the team did nothing for him last night. 
And this is like, and I go back to, and I've done shows where people are like, man, Paul, man, you're being a little hard on him. Man, you can find, you'll find bad things and wins and, and terrible things and losses. They should have never lost that game last night. Yeah, Buffalo going into that game, subpar team, just below 500. Uh, they're not good at home. Which is surprising to say. They're not I mean, good they, anywhere. They don't have a good winning record at home. And what's even more disappointing is that the Hurricanes this season have played really good on the road. To me, I feel like we're at that point of the season for the Hurricanes where it's the who are we playing portion of the schedule. And what I mean by that, they rise to top caliber opponents. We've seen it with the Vegas Golden Knights, Boston Bruins on the road, Spencer Martin's first game with the team, uh, New Jersey Devils. And the Florida Panthers this past week, they rise to the occasion. And then when they go into a game against Buffalo, it almost feels like they try to just get out of there any way possible with a win. Now, finesse, granted, they did get a point. Way through a win. Yeah, they finesse their way through a win. Now, granted, they do get a point, but it's only because Spencer Morton kept them that game. Paul, I have a question. Shoot. Can Spencer Morton in a shootout go from saving uh, a score to then attempting a shot himself? <laughs> like at this point, I'm just willing to let Spencer Martin or a goalie uh, attempt scoring a goal in a shootout. Paul Ihander here. Next up on 99.9 The Fan every morning, 9 to 10. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. I woke up at 3. I was so upset last night. I was so upset watching that game. I was just like, when's the breakthrough going to happen? I'm riding around with my kid in my car last night. Those of you dropping your kids off this morning, thanks for making us a part of your ride. You'll get this. My son's listening to the game as we're coming back. We went to pick up some food because uh, mom didn't feel like cooking last night, and I'm not going to make mom cook when she doesn't feel like cooking. And we're listening to Mike and Trip on the fan on the way home, and my son's like, he's like, this game sounds really exciting, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I go, Mike has a really good call. He's like, no, it just feels like they're kind of buzzing around a little bit, and they're doing things. And I'm like, yeah, they're kind of playing okay. Feels like they're doing all right in this one. They got they get the early goal. I mean, they got the early goal, and I'm like, hey, we got an early goal, buddy. It's usually good for us on the road. Like we we kind of try to st- uh, seal things out. And then it was just Buffalo had all the momentum. Like it felt like they were just pressing. There was a a flurry in the second where the Canes just kept it in their zone, and then the the power play goal from Natchez, the snipe, like like a great 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 shot. I mean, high, you know, he f- he found the little seam there on the nascent screen. And then Buffalo came right back. And a minute later, got it right back. And I was like, boy, that just sucked the air out of the room for us. Jordan Stahl played his 800th career game last night. So, for them, a positive. But now they stay on the road. So, they've got two more road games coming up this week. They're, the Lake Road Trip, I think, is what they called it last night. So, they got Minnesota coming up. The Wild, who are still fighting for some uh, playoff contention. And then Columbus, who shocked everybody last night by knocking off the New York Rangers. But all important points here on the way out. Like, we talked last week in college basketball with the must-wins, right? Must-win, must-win, must-win. Like, there's no more room for errors. Like, you are second right now in the Metro. And to turn it up like that, and maybe they are tired. Maybe it's six games out of ten days, which just sucks the life out of you. Maybe it's the lack of energy that you don't have when a Jalen Chatfield's not on the ice. I mean, Chatfield hasn't been out there for the past several games, not ready to come back. Maybe there's the little stick like, hey, maybe Freddie's ready to, to hit the ice here when we hit the road and, and he'll be ready to go. Everything will all come together. Everything will come together. But that one was a – just gave it away. Spencer Martin just 
I'm like, I don't want more the guy can do. <laughs> he just, you just, there's not momentum for Buffalo. Meh, don't care, don't care anymore. They're always close, but never there. Close, but never there. They're like 20 points out of a wild card slot. I don't want to talk about Buffalo anymore. I want to talk about the Canes, the Canes who let their guy down, and they should all like be lighting candles and putting flowers in front of the locker room of Spencer Martin right now. And as I mentioned, the crazy part about this whole bit right now, where this team is right now, and they're still playing good hockey. Don't worry about it, folks. They're still playing good hockey. But when you got to get those quote-unquote must-wins, which last night should have been, could have been, it didn't happen to go that way. Yeah. And it sucks. It just felt like it was a collective – well, I can't even say collective effort. It just felt like it was a collective cluster of just your top guys just not being your top guys, not playing – to the expectations we've been used to seeing them, especially coming off that big win against the Panthers. And maybe that might have something to do with it. I don't know. Just, you know, taking the emotional, I don't know. Maybe I'm just reaching for for logic right now, reaching for reasons that aren't there. But. You can spit. You can spit all the fire you need to. Right now they have 74 points. Toronto also has 74 points. That's the four and the five seeds right now if the playoffs were to begin today. That's where they sit. It's why they are must-wins. It's why you've got to get the two points for here and for there. Why the home, like, why keeping home ice matters and why getting wins in places like Buffalo matter too. And Buffalo has always given Carolina trouble. I mean, we know this. I like Before you and I came on the air, Graham, you and I were having a discussion as we were putting things up. And the four guys that took the penalty shots, uh, Ajo, you know, we're expecting him to cash. You know, we, we think we're going to get cast. Svechnikov who Tripp said during last night's broadcast, still hasn't found his hands yet. Yeah. Feels like it. Natchez's last ditch was kind of a meh, and it was Teravinen, I believe, who took the other one that really wasn't another one. He hit the he hit the bar, which at least was close. But if I'm the – if okay, now we're second-questioning Rod. <laughs> if, I, if, if you're looking at those four guys and they can't cash in, run out the guys that do cash in from time to time that you know come up in those areas because – I'm like, that's a lot. That's a lot for Ajo and Svech to go out there and get those things. Like, Seth Jarvis is a road warrior. Give Jarvis the first look. Give him the first look, like, every night. Give him the first look. Because I've got the scouting report. If I'm if I'm well-coached and well-scouted and Buffalo, and I don't think I'm telling Rod anything he doesn't know, they got the book on Ajo. They know what he's going to do. They know what Svech is going to do. They know what Natchez is going to do. And guess what? He guessed right. Pekka Lukin guessed right. Stopped 30 shots, did not allow a goal on the four tries. And the one that got past Martin, I don't blame him. I'm like, <laughs> the, there should be a, a shot clock as well on penalty shots, just for me. I'm like, 15 seconds, that's it. You don't get to skate in an S pattern until you get up there. Just go up there and shoot. Give every, give somebody else a run at it. Give Martin Nook a run at it. Somebody else. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to fix small things, like itty-bitty things here. Oh, man, I got to take a deep breath after that. I'm still salty. Trust me, folks. I got more coming. We're going to talk court storming today. You may not want to hear it, but we're going to talk about it. But I digress. I'm Graham Hill with three things you need to know right now from 999 The Fan. DJ Burns scored 19 points. Jaden Taylor added 15, and NC State defeated Boston College 81-70 on Saturday. Cormac Ryan scores 18, and number 10, North Carolina finally wins at Virginia 
54-44. Also on Saturday, Wake Forest defeated number 8 Duke 83-79. But the bigger story of that game was Kyle Filipowski's injury after a collision with a fan during court storming. Carolina Hurricanes suffered back-to-back -back losses over the weekend with a 2-1 loss to the Stars at home Saturday night and then a 3-2 loss to the Buffalo Sabres in a shootout yesterday. In women's college basketball, Duke beat number 6 NC State 69-58 last night for the Blue Devils' second victory over a ranked team in four days. Meanwhile, NC State has now lost back-to-back -back road games against neighboring rivals. Find these stories and more on WRLSportsFan.com. Next up, tonight's card. I felt like it was a little bit frustrated as we opened the show, but I think as a Canes fan, you you have the you have the option to be, you have the you know, I'm not saying go out and break your television, but you know if you had a little bowl of snacks in front of you and you saw that last one go in or and Natchez's uh, shot get uh, saved, uh, yeah, you could have knocked some things over. Would have been okay, like permission, like. Except not on the carpet, and if you had red wine, that that's really hard to come out of there. Paul Iander with uh, Instagram Hill here, uh, getting you ready for uh, tonight's action by recapping the weekend as well. The Heels will face Miami tonight, Miami, Florida. They have lost six in a row. Ouch. Not, not the Heels, but Miami. Last time these two teams met was 16 days ago, where R.J. Davis scored 25 and held off Miami by three in which Miami actually had the halftime lead and everyone was scratching their head going, what is happening here in Coral Gables? Well, we all figured it out pretty quickly that Carolina was the better team. but Roger Davis was just warming up he, in the he first was, half. Yeah, he was just getting going completely, and Armando Baycott was just a game away from starting his run, essentially. He had all the rebounds, just not the points. That has been a much different story for Carolina as of late. Over the weekend... And I say they get to take a deep breath because they got into the rock fight of all rock fights playing Virginia, of which, if you might recall me mentioning, if this game was going to be under 100, you should take the action on that one. It ended up being a nine, total of 98 as the Carolina Tar Heels beat Virginia 54-44, to in which Virginia, not a team that plays from behind very well, very clearly. After they got their 20th win, they've been struggling. Still staying towards the top of the ACC, though. But Carolina, 54-44. to Armando Baycott kind of went 10-13. and it, wasn't a, it was not an amazing performance by either team, but anytime you can escape JPJ with a win like that one, you take what you can get. Hubert Davis talked about the dub. Going into this game, you know, one of the things that we consistently said to each other is, is whatever it takes, you know, on both ends of the floor, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever it takes to get through the screen, to box out, to rebound, to talk on defense, to dive on loose balls, offensively, whatever it takes to come off those screens, to post up hard, to get second chance opportunities, to knock down open jumpers, to get to the free throw line, whatever it takes. And so, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned it before, you know, we've been in games like this where, um, you know, you just had to find ways to be able to win. And they found a way to win. 54 to 44. That is unheard of, considering the next lowest point total happened to be in a loss when Clemson knocked off Florida State 74-63 over the weekend. Clemson got a win over the weekend. Syracuse got a win over the weekend. Pitt got a win over the weekend, which means NC State needed a win too. 81-70 over Boston College. 
DJ Burns had 19, and Kevin Keats enjoyed the balanced scoring attack for once. He has been special. Like, I, I don't know in a six-game six, um, um, period talking about DJ if Burns. I've seen a guy who, played, who has played as well as he has. I thought he was good. That being said, we needed Casey. I thought Casey was really good. He was aggressive. He drove the ball. I thought JT kept coming off the bench, did a great job. He got to the free throw line, was seven for seven from the free throw line. Michael played great. Michael had six uh, assists and no turnovers. And, you know, I've been pleading, you know, we, we've needed another guard to step up and play well. Obviously, when D, so DJ don't have to have 30 every night. But I thought it was a great team effort. State is the seven seed right now. Pitt is in six, Clemson five. You have Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Wake. Wake trying to make a late run at this thing. 15-0 and now at home with the win over Duke. Classified by many as an upset. You're 15-0 and at home, though, and you're pretty good conference record. I'm not sure if it was an upset. Hunter Salas turned it on, though. 29-6, but as you may have heard, the biggest story out of this thing was the court storming at the end, of which court storming is not a new phenomenon by any means. It is done at all levels. Uh, but you have to wonder who came out stronger on the post-court storming, considering who got caught in the court storming, which was Duke's All-American and future lottery pick, Kyle Filipowski. John Shire spoke after the game. He was on the losing end asking for a ban. I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. You look around the country and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like, when I played, at least it was... 10 seconds in the court, you know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. It's part of it. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. That needs to stop. Okay, so there's John Shire. He was on the losing side of things asking for a ban. Here's the winning coach, Steve Forbes, who also said something about the court storming. Just listen. I didn't see what happened at the end. You know, I hope he's okay. Um, I don't like court stormings. Never have. Um, I've been a part of those before as a coach. I just don't feel safe. Um, and I'm sure the next time that happens, we'll do a better job of, of uh, you know, taking care of that situation. Let's just talk about the game. The court storming's coming in seven minutes. We will get to that. As the steam starts to rise off of Paul's oh head, oh my goodness! The, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be measured about court storming, and the, we got we got two minutes before we go. Yeah, on, I know the yeah and the, the nay. Uh, Wake Wake made the plays at the end of that game against Duke. Like Duke struggled to find. Is it identity? Is it just coming up clutch? Wherever it happens to be, like the good players showed up to a certain extent, and the the core players. Like they, Mark Mitchell did not have the game that he normally has. Probably has a little bit uh, to do with that. Tyrese Proctor played a ton of minutes, but you have to tip the hat to Wake. Wake played a much more well-rounded, executed basketball game. Now Forbes stuck to the starters. There's no doubt about it. Very little bench play. That was that was uh, the uh, pre uh, TV timeout substitutions. Really, 
Like there weren't a lot of there weren't a ton of issues. Like it, Reed was going to play no matter what. He could have he could have eight fouls in that one. That could have been like a preseason game. He was still going to play the minutes that he did. Hunter South took that thing over. Like everybody's waking up to Hunter South across this country. Hunter South is a transfer, and he was eleven of thirteen from the field and was lights out from beyond the arc as well. Like he wanted that win, willed to win. Like resume building kind of stuff, not just for him but for his team. Because they sensed that urgency a little bit. And perhaps for Duke, there wasn't enough urgency in what was happening out there. Like, it just didn't come down to execution instantly. Simply put, Wake Forest made 16 of 23 shots with 69% after halftime and finished the game at 60%. I mean, when you're shooting that well and you're at home and you have the crowd's energy to build off of, and Duke, uh, as you mentioned, just did not play that clean of a basketball game, there's been a lot of times this season where I feel like Duke has not put themselves in position to win late-game situations, what, similar to what we saw Saturday against Wake Forest. It's like figuring out, and, and to to wait, whatever, whatever plan was put in place by Steve Forbes, it was done about as well as it was going to be. Like limiting the turnovers, they only had six to the 11 for Duke. Shut down Mitchell. Like Mitchell has been, he's been on fire for the entire month of February, like literally, figuratively, however you want to take it. And he got held to six. Like, that's a non-factor. You take someone like that of his importance, a guy who plays down low, who's been knocking down the outside shot much more consistently, you limit him to five shots, you're doing something right. 